Welcome, everyone, to our um, episode 16 of Tape to Tape. I am your co-host, Maria from Watertown. We are recording on Wednesday evening, January 3rd, in the year 2024. So uh, welcome in to 2024, and I welcome in my co-host, Caroline, for our first episode of the new year. Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And uh, I'm thrilled that we're finally in 2024 because it felt like the fall was very, I don't know, up and down. And I'm ready to have turned this corner. <laughs> ready. Ready to move past December. Besides my own holiday, you know, insanity, uh, seeing the Boston Bruins play in December was not... A great experience. I did not enjoy that. <laughs> no, I mean they definitely had some up and downs, and we'll 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 um we're 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 turning turning the corner now, uh -huh. and they've um, set the tone for a good start to 2024. And amongst many things that we'll be discussing tonight, we'll be talking about the types of wins that the Bruins have been stringing together. Mm -hmm. And the contributions from, you know, players that we were on the verge of getting ready to call out. We didn't necessarily <laughs> name by names, but there was one in particular that I do remember bringing his name up. Mm. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some of the lineup changes yeah. and there's our table being set. So we'll start yeah. with the Bruins. Game against the New Jersey Devils, which took place on the 30th. The Bruins um, ended up winning that game 5-2. to two. And what were your, your thoughts and takeaways with respect to that game? I was looking forward to this game. I felt optimistic because of, you know, the high energy that we saw the, the, the last game when they played down in New Jersey. Um, I was hoping to see some more effort around neutralizing uh, both Hughes, but Jack in particular, obviously. Um, and I was nervous at the start of the game. Um, you know, we've been talking about it all season, especially in the last six weeks or so, that if the Bruins start a game down uh, and they get behind in shots on goal, they've struggled to really climb out of that hole, um, either obviously in terms of the goals actually responding um, but even when it comes to the shots on goal, uh, that when they get that far behind, uh, I, I don't really know what I've seen except not, again, not a great response. It typically says that, you know, our defense has been leaky, um, that the defense can't get it out of the zone. And we talked a little bit well, quite extensively, actually, I think in our last episode. So when uh, New Jersey took the lead, especially on a power play goal, um, a very I was quick, nervous. A very yeah. quick goal, by the way. Immediate. Within the first five seconds, 
I was nervous. <laughs> I was very nervous. Thought, okay, here we go. Is the momentum mm-hmm. has the momentum already been set? Right. And I don't think, you know, even prior to December, when the Bruins were looking really solid and strong uh in October and early November, they didn't really have to power through a ton of adversity. Uh, you know, they might have a crummy game here and there. And then when they'd have the inevitable rematch or even just a different team, but the next night, you know, they would come in and they'd be all business and they come in and they take care of business. And that wasn't something that we'd seen. And we hadn't really seen a ton of digging their way out of the hole. Like the closest I think that we had really seen was that Islanders game a few weeks back. So I didn't love the direction that the game was going. Um, But you know who really got things started? You know who really decided, you know what, enough of this business? My boy, (laughs) Brad Marchand. Your man, yeah. He's showing over and over again exactly why he is the captain of the Bruins. you know, even though in the past four games, uh, you know, he's not the number one goal scorer and not even probably not even the most in terms of assists, it's his ability to make those plays and even do little plays or little actions on the ice that just get the team going. It's it's his form of motivation. It doesn't even necessarily have to be a play, a, you know, playmaking that then leads to an immediate rush, because as we saw in this particular game, he was very aggressive behind the net with Vanacek, and he forced a turnover because that's exactly what he does. I believe you have heard me call him before uh, the rat terrier of hockey because he just knows how to get in there and get that puck out and just, that's why he's so good with his short-handed goals. He knows how to maintain possession of the puck. Yes. It's like he has a magnet on his stick. He's he's one of the best in the league. That's that. Yeah. And I believe the game prior to the Devils, that was the Buffalo game, right? Where uh, Monty had said that JD in that game had been like their top player. And so he was rewarded in this game and we saw him get rewarded with a goal, which was fantastic to see. Um, It was just great to then all of a sudden see them come alive with... Uh, some really good offensive pressure. It seemed like the defense was finally really starting to tighten up and yeah, just shut things down. And that was what I was really, really hoping to see, especially against uh, the Devils. Either of the Hughes brothers, quite frankly, are a major threat. They're fast. They are slippery little guys who could just get to wherever they need to go. They can do a whole 200-foot uh, rush and on their own to score a goal. So uh, I was very, very happy to uh, see how the, the Bruins were really able to respond even just to that first period uh, and the beginning of the second period when they were down uh, the two goals. So I was thrilled. I really liked how they looked, um, 
they were they were fast. They were skating. Um, the Bruins weren't allowing the Devils to be in the zone. So I thought that was great. Uh, the the biggest takeaway in terms of notes for this, and quite frankly, an overarching note for all four games. Faceoffs have not been spectacular. That's another piece that is, I don't know, it's a little bit weird because they've been really good and then they've been really bad. Uh, so I don't really know what's going on with that. Uh, they, a little they frustrating, were, but they were torched. They were torched in. Yeah, that was not good. The Devils game. They, yeah. they the faceoffs were thirty-seven to fourteen mm-hmm. with the Devils winning. Now. You'd say to yourself, Jesus Christ, how did they win a game mm-hmm. five to two when they were getting torched yeah. like that? But it still is, you know, concerning in yeah. that if you're not winning face-offs in the offensive zone, then you're not generating offense. If you're not winning right. face-offs yeah. in your defensive zone, then that's leading to some pressure. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was a strange anomaly in this game. Yeah, that you know, it, as bad as that statistic right was, yeah. they they still scored five goals, and kind of counter to that big concern of mine that now this season, at least at this point in the season, I'm like I'm definitely hyper fixating on the shots on goal. They won uh, with twenty six. Um, I believe it was no, it was twenty six saves, uh, five goals allowed by by uh, Vitek Vanacek. So I mean, it's not like they were doing a ton of uh, shots as well. It was still, you know, I, I want to see more shots, regardless. And I think if you listen to any of the other podcasts that are out there, you know, especially Morning Brew, we talk about them all the time. Um. And I believe we've even heard Monty talk about this, where uh, we got to get pucks on net. And I, I, I don't know. I still want to see more because I know that we can, they can, they can do it. They they have the capacity. They have the talent for it. So I want to see more of it. You know, um, I want to be seeing them hitting the net thirty five times a night because they can and they should be able to. But as we've seen, they have to get out of their zone, um, but they've improved. So I guess no notes on that today, this this week. <laughs> no notes on this week. Well, my my takeaways for, for this game, too, is is where the scoring came from and where the assists came from. Mm-hmm. And this was the game that it, you were starting to finally see mm-hmm. a little bit of contributions from guys in the lineup that have been, you know, regular members of this lineup that we need to have them perform and we need to have them make scoring contributions if this team is going to have any sustained success for right. the for a long run. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if uh if any of our listeners are from our Discord um who've been around for a little while, I mean that's certainly a thing that I bring up all the time because it's just at least a perception that sometimes our depth is not there. And early on, earlier in the season, last month in particular, it just seemed like we were just reliant on 
two guys and our goaltending. Um, so again, very pleased to see the increase in contribution down the line. And not needing to rely on the goaltenders because I believe that was a game where Linus was all right. And you it's know just what? Okay. He, he can be right. okay. He's allowed to be okay. I know. I know. He was fine. He was fine. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm I'm a little worried about glove side goals because he did give up one in this game and yeah. then he gave up one in last night's game that we'll we'll talk about. So that, mm -hmm. you know, that was that was an area of concern that crept into my head during the preseason and the early part of the season where that mm -hmm. seems to be a bit of a weak spot for him is that glove yeah. side. Interestingly enough, I read or heard around that there's actually quite an uptick in glove side shots in particular. Um, so he could very well be just falling victim to a league-wide strategy among shooters this season. I think, uh, you know, we've seen plenty of Boston Bruins uh, going after a lot of goaltenders on that side as well. Um, but also still concerning because even though all the other goalies are also facing the exact kind, same kind of shot and struggling in the exact kind of way, it doesn't mean that it, we are fine with that for Linus. <laughs> by any stretch so otherwise good game very happy yep and, very uh, happy uh mac Grizzlick's first game back yep he looked good mm -hmm. um um merkelov was fine uh, for yep. the minutes that he he was asked to play yep you know the the bruins did a really good job of not allowing the devils too much time in their zone um, mm -hmm. you know, defense did a good job too, making good decisions with the puck and, and breaking the puck out. And we had, you know, some scoring contributions in this game from defensemen. We had, you know, Kevin Chatton's Kirk with the goal, which was assisted by Matt Grizzlick and Charlie, um, Coyle, uh, Jake DeBrusque had a goal with assists to, I'm sorry, goal by David with assists by DeBrusque and McAvoy. Mm -hmm. Brandon Carlo had an assist. Morgan Geeky had an assist. You know, so that is, those are the contributions, I think, that you want to build on mm -hmm. to get these players to get some confidence, to feel capable of making offensive contributions. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one thing to point out about Merkulov, uh, or as I have now affectionately started just calling him Georgie, because that's what that, Jack yeah, called him. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious. Uh, in that Devils game, he played 15 minutes, which is huge. That That's for a new guy. I mean, that's, that's I thought, pretty impressive that he was uh, given that kind of time because um, I don't believe he had that much as much time um in the Detroit game. Um, but that could also just have been a form of load management, that kind of thing. So um, but yeah, that was great. That was great. Uh the Detroit game uh was something else. <laughs> <laughs> another, you know, another team that has been a bit of a thorn in the Bruins side. Uh 
they're a quick team. They're a young team. They're aggressive and they've been able to take advantage of the Bruins when they get frustrated and emotional. You know, some of the last, the previous games have been full of a lot of stupid little penalties because Bruins players are getting frustrated, you know, little stick penalties that you absolutely love. And then that leads to larger penalties down the line because they're annoyed and angry at the terrible officiating. Um, it started off highly entertaining. Um, I thought Trent Frederick's goal, uh, where he just smoked the goaltender, uh, was just, I loved it. I thought it was great. There was some whining, um, but obviously didn't, he didn't really, there was zero interference in that, uh, instance. Um, but then we had the incident. Hmm. Where do we even begin? First of all, I think the, the major issue at hand, uh, and we're talking about the alleged non, but was actually goaltender interference. Uh, do you remember who the Detroit player was? Don't off the top of my head. Um, trying to go to the the clip here. Rasmussen, Rasmussen Michael Rasmussen. Right. Yep. yep, was in a battle with Brandon Carlo. A little bit of you know pushing, shoving, normal stuff that you see between defensemen. Uh, and the shot comes on net. Rasmussen's stick is clearly interfering with Jeremy Swayman's ability to use his glove. Right to to complete the play, uh, I uh, I think it's cut and dry. Cut and dry. Everybody is saying this is clearly what this is, um, and sure enough, you know they have to go and they have to review it and they look at it and they look at it and they look at it and then they got to make the call to Toronto, which you and I both know. And my father has preached for years. If the referees or the officials have to call Toronto on a video review that involves the Bruins, I swear to God, it never is in favor of the Bruins. Nope. Now, the biggest issue, the biggest issue, and I think we've kind of alluded to this in other episodes. It's like, if you could just better communicate what is going on? I think we would all be at least a little bit more accepting of what we're told, right? We don't have to necessarily like what's being told, but we can say, okay, I see where you're coming from. And a lot of calls that happen on the ice can have a subjective element to them, okay? I'm just walking the, the 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 line here. I know you're ready to just go off, but here's the thing. The reason that was given on the ice was the worst explanation, the least legitimate reason for saying that there was no goaltender interference. The official said, and I quote, after video review, 
It was determined. The contact was made outside of the blue. Therefore, this is not goaltender interference. We have a good goal. That is a load of crap. We in the Discord were going off, pulling up the rules where it's like, I've never heard in my entire life ever that that would be consideration if it's an active play. Now, I'm, I'm not against a goaltender receiving a check if he's way out of the crease. Like the crease is his area. You enter, you leave the crease unless you're actively making a save play, right? You're entering play zone and be prepared to get checked. Like you're out of your safety area. You're going to get checked. It's fair game. I don't care. That's always been my take on it. However, what we saw, even though Swayman was outside of the crease, he was in active play. That is a bullshit call. That is a disgusting exam- like call. Like that's not the explanation. But then the NHL has, I don't know, I don't know if it's the audacity at this point or what they're trying to do to cover up. They're like, oh, no, actually, what they meant was it was determined that the actions of Brandon Carlo contributed to Detroit Detroit's Michael Rasmussen's stick making contact with Jeremy Swayben's glove outside of the crease and therefore did not constitute goaltender interference. That's a different call to say that he was forced that's a different call. I may still don't might may still disagree with it, but that's a different call. The NHL was covering the ass of these the official. officials because that is not the call that they made on the ice. Nope. And you know what? First of <laughs> all, I wish they would just admit they don't even know what the hell goaltender interference is. Oh God. The no. other thing is, I also wish that they would admit that they make shit up on the fly, particularly oh, yeah. if it can pork the Bruins. Okay. Mm-hmm. All you need to do is look up at these multi-million dollar jumbo screens <laughs> to I make know. the right call. Yeah. People. Yeah. It's so freaking stupid now. Yeah. So mm-hmm. freaking stupid. And it's an insult to those of us who now have the ability. If you think that you're fooling anyone, Toronto, you're sorely mistaken. Because yeah. now we can pull these clips ourselves. And we can slow them down and we can watch them. And then we go back and we read what you say Mm -hmm. and we can call bullshit on you all. Right. It's just, yeah, it's just mind boggling why and how this keeps happening now that even we're in 2024 Mm -hmm. and we're still talking about this crap, even Mm -hmm. with all of the technology. When did it become? When did it become so difficult for one to admit I screwed up? Yep. Let me remedy this because I screwed up. I don't care if the coach on the other team loses his or her mind. Right. Your responsibility is to make the right call. Right. Exactly. And I'm sorry, this... As much as uh, we will say how idiotic these referees are, they have enough brain cells to be able to say clearly this was an incidental stick on the glove versus there's no goaltender interference because he was outside of the crease. Like, what? Did you just start watching the game of hockey? The 
they screwed up and the NHL was saying, no, actually, this is what they meant. I'm sorry. I have ears. I can hear what he said. It does. That's not what he said. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. So it's just, it's, that's insulting. You're absolutely it's right. Insulting. Like, it's insulting. It's, you look like horrible. an even bigger right. you know, tool bag mm-hmm. because we all know you're making this crap up and you're all trying to yeah. cover for each other. Right. Right. It was not incidental contact. I've heard plenty of times, plenty of calls where a goal was under review uh, because of perceived goaltender interference. And those officials were fully capable of spitting out the words incidental contact, right? Like, so why couldn't these ones? Because that's not the ruling they made. They screwed up. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> now, again, bad. We're, we're, we're going on about this as if, as if the Bruins lost. I mean, that might have had an impact on the game. Fortunately, it did not. Right. Because the Bruins came away with with the win. Right. Yeah. And it was um it was definitely an exciting one because the Bruins started up, right? They they scored in the first with that Trent Frederick. And you know, part of me did wonder if if the officials decided not to call goaltender interference. Because it was deemed no goaltender interference on that first Frederick goal. Because, I mean, that kind of, like, the goal was scored. Him hitting the goaltender did not interfere with his ability to stop the puck. And that goaltender was outside of the crease when Freddie made contact with him. And the thought did cross my mind after the fact that did they maybe not call it because, what, they would have gotten grief for saying, oh, that's interference, but that's not interference? Like, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. But anyways, then then, um, Detroit kind of came back and they responded with two. Um, But Boston went on the break and when they came back, they said hold my beer, please get out of the way, and we're going to take care of business. Yeah. And yeah. boy, did they, you know. finish you off because we're not. They were like, enough of this garbage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> enough of this. You guys again. Yeah. No, no. So I was really pleased to see, again, a, a response from the team. And it was it was a different game than, than the Devils game um, because they had obviously started with the, uh, with the lead. Um, and then they just you know, took care of business and shut it down, which was great to see. Um, and that, uh, to me, that is that was a Bruins hockey game. They came in, they scored their goals, there was some pushback from the other team, and they were like, nope, we're done, and they finished them off. So, um, so yeah, I, I enjoyed that. I did have to watch it after the fact because it was a New Year's Eve game. Um, but it was, I was pleased. I was happy. But once again, also face-offs problematic in this game. Yeah. This was another game. Um, Mm -hmm. Detroit won 
36 face-offs and the Bruins only won 17. Yeah. So again, <laughs> not good. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not, it's not good. So, you know, I'm not quite sure. Um, you know, I haven't dug down deeply enough to mm-hmm. see, okay, you know, who's really s- struggling um, in the face-off dots, but I did. Um, and we can, we can talk about some of these statistics over the course of, so these are games between December 26th and January 3rd. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the site that I use is, is quant hockey. And so, you know, it, it gives you a breakdown of all types of statistics, one of which is face-off percentages. Um, and so, you know, there has been a little bit of a drop-off for Charlie Coyle, although he improved, I believe, in last night's game. You know, Jake DeBrusque is only winning 25% of face-offs. Trent Frederick, only 33. Yeah, it's not. Geeky. Um, Morgan Geeky's only at 25%. So he's he's definitely struggling right mm-hmm. now um, in the face-off dots. But yeah. Yeah. But again, they're they're winning, <clears throat> but mm-hmm. still, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this was another game where surprisingly kind of counter to what we saw last month where the Bruins only had 22 shots on net uh, and Swayman faced 30. So it doesn't seem like a big difference, but I'm a little uh, nervous about that because of how things have gone in the last few weeks. So, I mean, I'm not mad if it means it's high quality shots that are happening on goal, but the Bruins that I've been watching over the last few years um, they they need to get a lot of shots on net, <laughs> so uh, just to make me feel comfortable. But uh, you know, Charlie Coyle with the with the number one star, I'm happy with that. Uh, and that was how they finished 2023. I believe I heard actually in yesterday's game that the Bruins had uh one of the best road uh records for that calendar year. So that's always oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. That's always well, great always, to hear. I mean, they've always actually been a pretty good road team. Yes, they um, have. You know, so that that's yeah. a credit to the to the players and the and the coaching staff. Um mm-hmm. well, well, and they, the they, fact that the team that the fans travel well. <laughs> well, I, I think that's helpful. Last year was was phenomenal. It was amazing. You know, the, the other the other thing um from the Detroit game is, you know, Pavel Zaka played in his 500th yep. NHL game. Um, you got two goals from Freddie Boy, mm-hmm. um, three assists for from uh, Charlie Mack, because I know that's been a little bit of a topic of conversation in some circles about hey. his offensive contributions to the team. So it's it's good to see yeah. that um, – you know that he's he's getting himself there. Although I have to say, this guy's been taking a flipping beating in uh-huh. some of these games of of late. You know, uh-huh. every time uh-huh. we turn around, it seems like he's getting, you know, yep. whacked or dinged um, in some way, shape, or form. So, but to his credit, to his credit, he he continues continues playing on. Thank God he's young. <laughs> Yes, that's the most we can take away from that. Um, yeah, I don't think we mentioned in the previous game too that uh, 
Shattenkirk gets his hundredth goal of his uh, career, which is uh, actually a pretty big. It's a pretty big deal for hundred goals. It doesn't that doesn't happen to every everyone who plays in the NHL. So, well, yeah, um, particularly defensemen. You know? Yeah, especially defensemen. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then we had um, the Blue Jackets, which I believe uh, a friend of the pod. I, I don't remember who said this, but I hope the before the game they said I hope the Bruins <laughs> put that fan in where the shot sun don't shine. Because yeah. they've had enough of that cannon. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I found it shocking that Jack Edwards, I believe it was Jack Edwards, said at the start of the game yes. that the Blue Jackets score the most five-on-five goals of any team in the league. Yeah. They are a, they are a surprising team because they're definitely bottom of the barrel. Some significant injuries, too. But they, oh, ha- yeah, they've got some big with. talent that is typically on the ice, uh, who was not present for the the team um, yesterday, which everybody was saying, oh, that's that definitely helped the Bruins, which, you know, I don't disagree because the Bruins were very sleepy in this game. And if quite oh frankly, the first period was going to die. <laughs> Jesus. But, you know, it, it, they're lucky, right? Because if um, if it was really any other team, they probably could have gotten walloped because uh, we've seen that happen where the Bruins are just like, oh, I'm barely here. Uh, I believe it was like the Winnipeg game was just like that. So they did get lucky yeah, there and, that and they had guys out. Their injury, well, Sean Corrali is on mm-hmm. injured reserve. Um, Nick, defenseman Nick Blackenberg, big yeah. names though, right here. Patrick Line on yeah, IR and Boone yep. Jenner on IR. Yep. Yeah. So big, big names. Um, so they got lucky, I think, because that was just brutal to brutal to watch. Their power play was just oh my god, atrocious. I atrocious. mean, one shot on goal in two power oh, plays two in power the first. Plays. Mm-hmm. Right, that that first unit, okay? Mm. Please, 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 please. It doesn't have to be picture perfect. It doesn't have to be pretty. Just yeah. when you have a shot, please freaking take the shot. Yeah, and you know, this is a complaint that we've had many fans have expressed. The Bruins themselves have talked about that you just gotta you you only have to be simple right kiss keep it simple stupid and yet they consistently fail to do that and that's oftentimes how they get in trouble when they're trying to clear and they can't clear in the stupid six on five with a minute to go i don't know if it's just one of those things that for some reason in their mind they think, well, I'm a Boston Bruin. I am an elite player, so I have to play in some kind of elite way. You know, the lunch pail AC wasn't really like, you know, the fancy part of part of the eras, and they got this stuff done too. So there's no shame in just playing clean, simple hockey. Yeah, and that, I, that, that I, first power play unit, ah. I just think they just get so, I don't want to say stagnant, but they're just so 
set and determined about getting that perfect setup. Yeah. You know, be it a mm-hmm. pasta or marchand where where the second unit mm-hmm. just slings the puck around. Yeah. It's almost like they are incapable of adapting to the situation because they'll go in and they'll try every single time, I swear, to run a set play. And if something doesn't go quite the way it should, quote unquote, per the plan, they can't seem to function or rebound at, like, as opposed to, like you said, the second one, because they're just slinging it around. They have no expectation. They have no, you know, uh, script, so to speak, to go, you know, so if they go off script, not a big deal. But the first unit, if you're off script, I can't can't do it. Can't make it. They just can't seem to recover. And, you know, and, and in their defense, you know, I'm sure that there's a shit ton of film on that first unit. And, you know, teams are focusing in on how to defend that first unit where, you know, the second unit, you know, you know, Monty can kind of mix it up a little bit. And so the the other team doesn't know what kind of a look they're getting from from the second unit. But I've been for this season, I've been a much bigger fan of that second unit. Than the first season. I mean, first uh, unit for no, this and, season. And, and let's, you know, folks, pasta stays out pretty much for the entirety of a power play. Right. So pasta on on one unit, unit one, he's on his wing side. On unit two, he'll be at the point. Right. Which, again, risk-reward. I get it. Right. Risk-reward. But you want your best player out there. Right. Or your, your best possible. offensive player out there as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And who knows? Maybe some of that is the problem. Not that he's like he that he shouldn't be out there, but maybe he's out there for too much. Like is it too I don't want to say like it's too taxing, but No, no, he's not I don't out know. There too it, much. He needs to stay out there. Because yeah. let's face it, for the for the for the most part, you're not skating up and down the ice. If if your power play units are working effectively, you're mm-hmm. contained in the offensive zone. Mm-hmm. So even though it's it's more minutes, it's to me, it's not taxing on yeah. your stamina. Mm-hmm. So I'm fine with keeping him out there for the full two minutes. And it's not too predictable. Something is <laughs> something is somewhere well, in that, that equation. Yeah, no, on on that. I first don't know where. Unit, yes, because they're trying to set him up for that one timer. You know, yeah. on that second unit when he's you know at at the point. All right, it gives them more flexibility and more fluidity yeah. with yeah. where he's going to go and having someone else drop back on that point. So I'm I'm fine with keeping him out there for mm-hmm. the full two minutes. I just wish that the first unit would sling the puck around a little bit more quickly and then take the opportunity to take the shot when there is one to be taken. Right. It doesn't always have to go to him. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, It's frustrating. I mean, yes, the, the power play is better than it was. But quite frankly, I think the power play is better than it was last year and the year before. 
because of the second unit and their approach. I don't know. I think they're the difference maker, quite frankly. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We keep an eye on that. See how that's going. Um, I would be more upset with a bad PK, I guess, in, in the grand scheme of things. And that continues to still be quite excellent, uh, even in spite of some of our uh, issues around defense. Um, there was some back and forth in this game, for sure. We had, finally, a, uh, a call on embellishment. Thank you. As Holy freaking Louis, Jesus! <laughs> as uh, as Mason Lowry had to pick up the pieces of his mouth <laughs> oh, of his face. Um, but honestly, how hard is that to do? The minute you see a player from either team, yeah, embellishing, taking a die, snapping the head back, you make the call, and that lets both teams know, mm-hmm. gentlemen, I'm not putting up with this shit tonight. Yep. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the the poor Lowry later on in the evening uh, got a delightful uh, official welcome to the NHL by losing his first teeth. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was totally inadvertent the way the puck the puck just, just kind of scooted up. It might up. have even come up on <laughs> off of his own stick. I think so. I and think popped so. him right, right in the mouth, and he was, he was, <laughs> he was leaking pretty good. <laughs> I know it was. Oh, when I read uh, uh, someplace on social media that um, he must have lost some teeth because they had to someone go out there during the commercial break, or they had to go on commercial break so they could find the tour. And I was like, oh god. Yes. That's oh God! Person, that's happened, and it probably <laughs> won't be the last time it's happened. Oh, uh, poor kid! He, he comes back in the I second know. period with about four minutes left, and then you look over on the bench, and he's still leaking everywhere. So, like, <laughs> how did they patch him up? Like, the face is, is is so easy. Everything on the head just so easy bleeds so much. It's disgusting. <laughs> um. And, you know, for him and for for good old Georgie, they were kind of back, quote unquote, home at this game because they both went yeah. to Ohio State. Ohio so there was State, lots of, they had lots some of fans. Buckeyes yeah, some former the, teammates in the audience. stands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we did see some capitalizing on the PP, JVR, having a hell of a comeback season for a guy who started out. What a you good know, pickup he's been. He's everyone uh, who crapped all over yeah. John Sweeney yeah. about signing this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's a journeyman, uh, and that's a that can be a good or a bad thing depending on who the player is. You know, he's he's been around, he's been doing his thing. Um, he he's an older player, um, but. He's showing us that he knows where he needs to be when, and he's got, uh, what did I say this earlier this afternoon? Um, 18 assists. 18 18 assists. assists. Yeah. Yeah. And he's been up and down the line, and he does his job regardless of where he is. Wasn't he a scratch during one of these games, if I'm remembering correctly? Um, Was it? I know Shattenkirk was. 
I thought he was a scratch in the mm -hmm. Detroit game. Mm -hmm. Well, people were counting him out, uh, especially after his last season in Philadelphia. You know, he's 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 a guy who's bounced back and forth from uh, Philly to Toronto to Philly. So he's been around the block. Um, and, you know, I think for him last season, anyone uh, on that Philadelphia team, if you were not, you know, doing the torts hockey thing, that it probably was just not going to be a great fit. And Boston is where he fits in. And he's where he usually needs to be. And, yeah, well, I'll hear people complain like, oh, what is he doing? Why is he out there? But then you see what he can, how he can contribute. And in a game like yesterday's win, as boring as that game was, oh my God, was it boring. Um, it was another kind of win uh, in the diversity of wins that the Bruins are capable of providing. And he played a huge part in that. You know, this this game showcased the depth of this team. We've we've talked about it all season how on paper this team is a complete team because they have people filling every role, every job. They're not understaffed in any way shape or form on paper. When they can execute in the exact right way, getting all of these different players to contribute over the span of a week that is a complete team because Pasta didn't score a goal last night. But you know what? It doesn't matter. He didn't need to. He didn't, he didn't need to because he did his job earlier in the week. Right. And you can't, again, you know, the, and, 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 you know, this is something that every team strives for, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, every team in the league has their superstars, uh -huh. the guys that they, you know, count on, rely on in 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 clutch moments but you yeah. can't you can't do that for right. 82 games you've got no. you've got to have contributions from right. what you refer to as your depth players mm -hmm. you know sometimes you might refer to them as jags just another guy but yep. they're still a member of the team yeah. and they still need to make contributions both yeah. offensively and defensively yeah and you know shat you know, JVR has has been doing that. And, oh, by the way, he's been pretty resilient, too. Yep. I mean, there are 36 games in. He's played 34 of them. And mm -hmm. I think the only two games that he has missed has been have been, like, intentional. Like, you're going right. to sit this one out. Right. Yeah. So this was another win that you love to see. Uh I get particularly excited just when I see these kinds of wins. And I think that's probably stemming from some trauma of, you know, the previous uh, last year excluded, but probably the previous five years to that of watching a Boston Bruins team that had one line, the lack of depth. So I'm just completely excited and stoked to see guys further down the line actively contributing buzzing you know doing that thing um getting it done because 
that's how you get to a strong finish and you get positioned well for playoffs. So the Bruins have have been doing a great job over the past uh four wins, right? I believe we've seen straight. So and I love yep. to see how it looks. I love the the variety of win against the variety of teams. There was just so much it was the buffet, if you will, of mm. what the Bruins are capable of, and you love to see it. And, you know, the, the, this this couldn't happen at a more ideal time. Yes. I wanted to continue because this month of January, and we'll, we'll talk about that um, in, a few, in a few minutes, but this month mm-hmm. of January is going to be brutal. Yeah, for it the, is. For the Boston Bruins. Just, yeah. just, just brutal. So this is make backs, or break for a lot of teams yeah, who are on the a lot of teams. Yeah. Yeah. So it, and they they've got a pretty good little road trip coming up. Um, I don't know if you want to ask if you have any other final takeaways from. Yes. From, from this for from you. This yeah. But yeah. the fact that at long last, um, Danton Heinen got on the scoreboard and. According to Jack Edwards, now, and Jack had just mentioned this shortly before, mm-hmm. Heinen had only one assist in the last nine games. Now, I know he's he's done other things, um, which I, you know, are not as visible to me as they are to some others, but mm-hmm. I'll leave that to <laughs> experts. But the fact that he is doing something offensively mm-hmm. could also help to catapult the, this team. Yeah, I was uh, really intrigued by the by the Bruins, you know, their approach with him uh, at the start of this season, making him sit, making him wait. Everybody's thinking, like, what the hell is going on? Uh, and I believe it was one of our uh, friends of the pod, uh, Jesse, talking about how how like we came, how the Bruins came out uh, on the on such the right side with with Heinen um, going from PTO to this like this guy he uh, in the past at least in the past ten days has been a top line top six player starting you know and. Uh, Thank God that they have these capologists who <laughs> can figure out I, and had I faith what that he'd like about wait. him, too, is he'll play wherever you tell him to play. He just wants to play. He just wants to play. So there's yeah. something to be said for that approach and that attitude. You know, mm-hmm. I don't care if you put me on the fourth line. I don't care if you put me on the first line. And honestly, I don't even know if the Bruins have a first and second line right now, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Like, yeah, that, like, uh, you know, I think JVR and Trent Frederick and Heinen together, that's a damn mm. good line. It's a good line. They've been it's good. It's a good line. It's been- And it's it's kind of funny that it seems like the, the bottom six lines are the two that have been consistently really good. And I don't know really if it's good. just yeah. because of expectations that one might normally have of the bottom six players. Um, but they've I feel like they've seen the least amount of shuffling. The fourth line definitely has essentially been set since October. 
And it's just so interesting to me that a lot of the shuffling happens in that top six. And I don't know what to make of that, but <laughs> if only we could understand what was going on in Mo- in uh, Monty's mind. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite sure what's going on either, but... <laughs> um, you know, it, maybe it's about matchups. Maybe you want to do this on the road. Yeah. Maybe you want to do something different at home. But, you know, the fact that, you know, th- that JVR Heinen and Freddie Line is starting to cook. It that is. Can be, it's great. That can be very dangerous for other teams to have to try and address, which is that's what you want. Yeah. You know? They're unpredictable. I mean, depending on the night. They could be just your regular old thumpers, as I called them, um, or they could be your powerhouse goal scoring line. Like, <laughs> you, you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. Anything else that you uh, took away from Columbus? I think that was our last uh, visit with Columbus, right? Thank Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I, I don't want to hit the cannon. Um, no more. The cannon. remainder of the season. Yeah. We're good. The there. Um, get there. <laughs> you know, I think again, you know, we can talk about the power play unit. Oh, you know, we touched upon that o- overthinking. And, uh-huh. you know, to me, it appears that, you know, after the, the holiday break, and was it the loss again to Minnesota? And was it, I can't remember who it was before that. The Bruins seemed to have turned a corner yeah. with respect to their defensive structure. Mm-hmm. It seems to be tighter. Um, the players are being more decisive about what they're doing with the puck. They're, they're actually back checking and their, their four checking game has been really, really good Mm. since they came back from the break. Yeah. Cause that was getting particularly bad. (laughs) That was getting not, it was, it was bad. It was bad before. So it's been a, a good change. Very good change, and and just so you know, folks know that there are there are there are tangibles for what we're talking about. So in in games based between December twenty sixth, twenty twenty three, and January third, so that's four games played. You know, we've got Charlie Coyle with six points, Pasta with six, DeBrusque with six. The, the, now these are the big stats for me. Um, Jake DeBrusque with six points in the, these last four games. Trent Frederick with five points. And the Charlie McAvoy with five points. Mm-hmm. JVR, four points. Shattenkirk, three. Lindholm, three. You know, uh, although Pavel Zaka has been a little quiet, he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's been very physical. Mm-hmm. Like, he's, yeah. he's hitting... Just about anything in sights, and that—that's another thing that I think has turned a bit of a corner too for the Bruins in that they are being more physical. Like so, Char- Charlie Coyle in the same span of games has had six hits. Mm-hmm. Jake DeBrusque five, Trent Frederick seven. I mean, who else has had some? Pavel Zaka eight hits. Mm-hmm. Mason Lorai, five. Brandon Carlo, five. You know, even even the um the fourth line guys are are getting in on the hitting action. So, you know, I think 
they're, they're starting to figure it out now. Yeah. Here's, here's, here's where I'm going to throw a bit of a monkey wrench in. <laughs> what happens when Maddie Patra comes back? Because as we know, Team Canada mm-hmm. has been eliminated from the World Juniors. Right. So, you know, he, he may be coming back sometime this week. Nobody seems to know exactly when. Right. But what happens? Right. I, I'm asking half rhetorically and half I know. because I need someone to tell me what's going to happen when he comes back. I mean, it, if we want to take a guess as to who's going to sit, I think they're going to have Georgie go back to test out Patra to see how things are, and then decide I'm from up, there. I'm not splitting up the um, JVR, Freddie, and Heinen line quite yet. I'm just smart, right. you know. You got you got a good thing going with these guys. These yeah. guys are putting points up on the board. I think. I think I wouldn't be surprised if knowing the mad scientist that is Jim Montgomery. They're going to give him a bunch of games because they have the slack, right? We kind of heard in uh, a recent episode of Morning Brew, like when it comes to Mason Lowry, you know, he's still young. He's making mistakes, but he's up on that top pairing with Chucky probably because he's getting getting a crash course lesson. He is. He is. He's getting better with each with each game. Because he's with Charlie McAvoy, and that's you know he's learning from the best defenseman on the team. Charlie but was under Zdeno Charlie, exactly so, right. Yeah. So, but the the thing is, uh, as they said on Morning Brew, they um, the Bruins have the slack. I think they call it like they they've got enough leash right now. They can afford to spend the time teaching him and allow him to make those mistakes and learn what you know, what it's like up in the big league. Um, and I think that they can and will and should do that for at least the month of January um, for Matt Patra, um, because then they're going to be going into the the bye week, uh, all-star break, vacation week for the players. So I think that's a natural break that depending on how Patra does, that they probably can then have some conversation about how they want to manage and handle him for the remainder of the season because he's got to get through his birthday is in March and the obviously the the the, the Gelf team plays into March. And so, you know, they're kind of like, they're kind of hamstrung with him because obviously they don't want to lose him. They can't, you know, whatever, all that complicated. And they have to play him. At this they point, have to play him because how else is he going to learn? They have right. They have to play him. They can't. Right. They can't send him down to Providence. So it's right. They it, can't. It's good. So it's either sit him or play him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sit him or play him. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. It's a good problem to have, I guess. <laughs> um, I'm glad it's not my problem. It's not my problem. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. But do we want to talk real quick about this month of January and the yes. insanity that's coming up? Yeah, so upcoming games, we um, have the Penguins coming to town tomorrow, Thursday, the 4th. I believe this is the first game of the season between these two teams. I think so. Um, 
and you know the penguins have had some um they've had some up and down season they're they're a, a little bit better than the 500 team right now they're still in the hunt for a wild card spot in the metropolitan um the the rangers are up at the top of that division but the rest of the division is relatively tight and how do you ever discount a team that has Sidney Crosby, Malkin, Eric Carlson, Chris Letang. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see um, how, you know, the Bruins manage the, this yeah. game. Yeah. With well, and of course, the very recent, uh, I would say the last two seasons, the very real uh Chirpiness that exists between Tristan Yari and Brad Marchand. And Brad Marchand. Yeah, that should be interesting. <laughs> there's, a, there's a history there now, yeah, and yeah. it continues to show itself. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that'll be an exciting game. I, I typically have not been disappointed by those. No, by those games, usually so. been good games. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, and then two, two days later, Saturday night, um, Saturday night at the Garden against mm-hmm. the Tampa Bay Lightning. This is the mm-hmm. second matchup of the year between the two teams. The Bruins um, lost in overtime back. It seemed like it seemed this is like the dad's forever yeah. ago. The dad's <laughs> trip, yeah. On the twentieth of November, a five-four overtime loss. Mm-hmm. Um, Nikita Kucherov mm. has he leads the yeah. league in points. Mm-hmm. Has 63, 27 goals, and 36 flipping assists. <laughs> but here's here's the stat that really kind of threw me off. Yeah. Their goaltending ranks 30th and 33rd in the league. Yeah. Well, I kind of wonder. I mean, I've not been keeping up with uh anything going on down in Tampa. Um, and I know we're gonna be seeing a lot of them in this the back stretch uh because they are divisional rivals and only played them once uh i kind of wonder hearing that now for the first time if they rushed vassy back too quickly maybe from his surgery i mean i i was astonished that he didn't miss nearly as much as i would have expected um but you know well the and the big drama in tampa is the fact that the lightning are not negotiating during the season with Steven Stamkos. I know. Which, you know, I could see both sides again. I can too. I can too. But again, again, you're talking about Steven Stamkos. I know. So. I know. But is it true? Are they truly not negotiating? Again, I'm just... Who knows? I'm reading. Right? Because we didn't know a year ago what's the situation with pasta. What's the situation? We are nothing from either camp. And he didn't sign until the beginning of March. So who's to say? Plus, the cap situation is tough. No. And there are rumblings that, you know, because, again, they were a team that went all in. It served them well because Mm -hmm. how many flipping Stanley Cups did they win? Okay. In a short period of time. Yeah, but there's not an appetite 
to extend Steven's Stamkos at the risk of not being able to rebuild your team. Right. That's what you have to consider. Certainly. Oh. Certainly. Because they're definitely on the downward side slide of that dynasty. So it makes sense. They want to be planning for the future. And who knows what the cap situation is going to be. So <laughs> I'm, I, I, yeah. I can and see so, both sides. Yes. Yeah. That this is this this is the start of a like brutal stretch for uh -huh. the Bruins. So no. after the game on Saturday the sixth, they play road trip, <laughs> road trip, and it's like this is like murderous row here. Yeah. Um, Monday the eighth, they have the Avalanche. Then the next night they play the Wild. Is it the wild or the I can't these stupid coyotes? Animals. Coyotes. Yeah. Okay. Arizona. Then yep. you travel from there to Vegas where you face the Golden Knights, mm -hmm. the defending Stanley Cup champs on the eleventh. Mm -hmm. On the thirteenth, you've got the St. Louis Blues, who, you know, again, they're they're not having their, their best season. No. You know, but but th then you I think home. I think, and I think Boston can come away from that road trip at fifty percent. At least they should, right? Arizona, nice. they be should nice. beat yeah. Arizona, and they should beat St. Louis because St. Louis is terrible right now. Well, so. and I, I just want to see. I mean, as much as you 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 want them to win or take points away away, where you stand in comparison to mm -hmm. the likes of the Colorado Avalanche, right? And the Vegas Golden Knights. Because you could very well see them in the very last showdown of the year. Of the year, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, and, and and then, you know, the, the Bruins get to come home for one, two, three, four, five-game homestand. Yeah. Um, but during that homestand, they, you know, will face the well, Devils yet big again. Games. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Colorado at home. Yep. We got the hated Canadians on, again, on a Saturday night. Yeah, in in uh, at the TD Garden, you know the Winnipeg Jets who gave you quite the uh, the yeah, smackdown last time you played them, and not until January twenty fourth do know. we see the Carolina Hurricanes for the first freaking time. I know, I can't believe it, but you know, I think it's I I'm not I'm not upset about it because I think they've got three divisional rivals that the Bruins are playing against quite a lot in that backstretch. And I think that actually will make for some pretty exciting hockey. So I, I see what the scheduler did. I see it. I, mm -hmm. I'm good with this. I think it's going to be all right. It'll be interesting. <laughs> so, yeah, this, um, you know, again, this is where you separate the men, the men from the boys. So, mm -hmm. and, you know, this is the time of year too, where you just want to, you just want to get as many points in the bank as you possibly can get. Yeah. Big time. Big time. So it's gonna be a good uh, a good stretch, and then it's the month of January, man. The next thing you know, it's gonna be a trade deadline season, as we've seen in recent years. Uh, there's not really that flurry of the last day quite so much anymore. It's the in the weeks leading up. I think at the last week of January last year was the big Bo Horvat trade. So we shall see. 
what happens in a few weeks? What deals are getting I'll cooked up? I'm surprised if anything big happens this year. Yeah, all, with teams being in in a lot of teams are in quote unquote cap jail. So I'm it all depends. Really surprised, right? It all depends on what kind you're gonna. If you're gonna see anything big, you're gonna see more of those third party broker type deals like we saw last year with uh Arizona and um Minnesota as well because the they kind of some of those teams have the opposite problem which is they're not meeting the floor so this is how they do that as well so yeah it'll it'll, it'll be interesting i have a funny feeling it won't be scintillating no i don't think so yeah no i agree agree. hopefully i'm wrong but yeah um yeah and then for our you know we're gonna wrap things up here folks our around the rink segment is um and this is really exciting and, and big news is that the professional women's hockey league folks Yay. kicks off tonight actually it's uh, the puck is already dropped on the uh, inaugural first game um mm-hmm. and patrice bergeron had the pleasure of announcing the captain of Boston's professional team, mm-hmm. which is Hillary Knight. Yes, the legend. The legend. If you don't know who she is, definitely check out our show notes. Educate yourself. She's one hell of a hockey player, and it's so exciting um, to and see this happening. It's just it's awesome that... I can't wait to get to a game. It's just awesome that the likes of Patrice Vergeron and other um, NHLers are, are supporting and, and propping up Mm-hmm. Yeah. This this league on, on yep. behalf of women. So kudos yep. to them. It's fantastic to see. I'm I'm so excited. And and then we uh, not we just for to... not just for the little girls out there, but get your no. little boys to go out and it's... watch too, because this is important. Um yeah, it's hockey is for everyone, right? Exactly. We believe hockey it. Hockey is for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um then we had the winter classic on Monday, which mm-hmm. was um played between the Seattle Kraken. And the Vegas Golden Knights. And I hate to give the league credit, but credit where credit mm-hmm. is due. They always do a good job with with this event. Um, the place was packed. Yeah. And I'll tell you, the Seattle fans, they love their cracking, man. <laughs> yes, they are a good fan base. I can't believe it took the league that long to get back to Seattle, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, Joey Decord, who's a Boston Boston area born guy, is a goalie for the Kraken. Yeah. Um, pitches the first Winter Classic shutout. Yep, I can't believe that. I, I didn't realize that there's never been one. <laughs> That's surprising. I didn't. Yeah, realize. and he's he's come out of nowhere for the Kraken, and I think he's yeah. he's basically got them back in a uh, potential yeah off scenario. Yeah, they were not in good shape, and then Grubauer has been out. And he's been hurt, been, and he's so... been no good. No, he's not even just been out. He's been no good. Oh, no. <laughs> I know, I know. So it's good for them. Uh, I'm, uh, they're my, they're my West Coast team. I love Seattle. I love what the team does. I love what the team stands for. Uh, the fans, the city, um, special place for me. So good. I like it. Yeah, them. no, no, it's all, <laughs> all good stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, in, 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 in our What the Chirp, mm-hmm. um, big news is Team Canada 
being knocked out of the world juniors and the finger pointing from what I understand has already started. This is, this is, you know, a national catastrophe of in course. Canada. Of course. Thank God it didn't happen in Canada. Although next year they just announced World Juniors is going to be in Minnesota for the first time since, I think, 1982. So that's pretty cool. That's um, pretty cool. And go Team USA because they're still in it and they're still real good. Yeah. They're yeah. still really good. So They're still really good. Yay. So, um, yeah, I think that about wraps it up for it us. Does. Yep. Yep. Another week. Uh a good week, a happy week. We're thrilled with the Bruins. And next week, as just a real quick housekeeping, there's no regular episode because, right, is it next week you're on vacation, Maria? I will be in the Turks and Caicos, my friends. Ah. I will probably not be viewing many games from where I'll be, but I'll certainly be paying attention on social media. Yes, and we have a special episode next week uh, that we recorded about two weeks ago uh, with our friend Anna Hudak uh, from Prism Hockey, so check it out. Uh, we're going to be discussing refing and, and hits and the Department of Player Safety and all that wonderful stuff that we have kind of been talking about all season, so it'd be great to get an outsider's perspective on what's going on in the league. and. With that, I'll just say, go bees. Go bees. Thank you all for listening. Um, you know, please give us a rating. Uh, please su- subscribe. And you can also reach out to us on uh, social media if you have any questions we, you'd like us to try and answer. We're on X and um, it is tape to tape MK. So with that being said, go bees. And I hope everyone has a great day.